Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everyone. Monday afternoon here on Ausbiz. Great to have your company for the next 60 minutes for the call. 10 stocks that uh, you'd like us to take a look at. Um, plus a stock of the day, and we put it to our expert panel. But before we get stuck into um, um, today's edition of the call, I thought we'd catch up on the last two weeks. In the past 10 episodes, instead of stock of the day, we did something a little different. Our experts picked one life-changing stock each. Now, of course, these were stocks the guests picked as having the biggest potential upside over the next five years or more to change someone's life for the better in terms of financially. And of course, uh, with all of the warnings that normally these stocks are at the higher end of the, uh, of the risk scale, so keep it in perspective. But it was a really interesting exercise. So 10 episodes, 20 companies and huge possibilities. So I thought we'd take a look at the, uh, the stocks that our expert panelists uh, picked, into, which started off with, uh, with Audinate, um, Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor, um, the, the big um, video digital sound group that's building um, an enormous market there. Uh, some really interesting Hazer Group, um, for example, which is in the in the um, uh, the hydrogen energy market. Um, Ordinate came up twice. Rudy uh, Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena also chose Ordinate as uh, the stock that he reckons best could change your life. Uh, Atomos, the, um, the the video company that turns uh, iPhone pictures into or video into cinemagraphic uh, quality. Apple has an interest in uh, Atomos. Playside uh, Studios was an interesting one from Gary Glover from Novus, um, who uh, they, they do uh, uh, gaming, um, video games, um, and have deals with Disney and groups like that. Archer Materials, of course, in, in quantum computing. Um, and um, so they're the um, 10 or 20 stocks and ETF Andrew Whelan, who um, from DP Advisory up in Toowoomba, uh, he said, well, look, you know that I love ETFs, so 
I'm going to stick to my investment philosophy and pick an ETF that I think will do well for you. So um, a really interesting mix of 20 stocks. I'm going to put them all in a little fantasy portfolio and every six months or so, just check back in and see how they perform. But thanks to all the, the expert panellists who, who uh, took it really seriously and, and uh, uh, came up with some great suggestions there. So including today's panel, you know, they always say that you can never have a favourite child. Well, I don't have a favourite panel, but this is up there with uh, one of my favourites. So Gaurav Sodhi from uh, Intelligent Investor is with us. Gaurav, good to see you again. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. And Maita Somansandaram from Deep Data Analytics, who last time he was on with Gaurav, he just started uh, a Twitter account. Well, Maitan, good afternoon to you. Since then, you've yeah. become almost like a born-again Christian to the Twitterverse. <laughs> uh, Gaurav, I've never seen anyone post so much in the last two weeks. It's been extraordinary. Yeah. It is like Nathan when he gets his uh, he gets stuck into something he gets stuck into it really good. Try changing his mind on something, you know. Nathan, <laughs> <laughs> you become a convert. Yeah, look, I think it's interesting, and 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 then you get an instant reaction, good or bad. And yeah. I, look, I've been in broken for nearly thirty years, so I can take the comments. Uh, yeah. But it's it's fun, and you learn you learn so much from people around the world where you have instant reaction to macro changes. Yeah. Um, and you know, less and less, so you always want to learn. Yeah, and and then you also put out your taco recipes too, so which I think is <laughs> fabulous. Sort of ta tacos with an never had an Indian-based taco in my life until I saw the one, and it looked quite good. I put it into operation. My one of my uh, daughters-in-law is Mexican, so I showed it to her, and she, initially she was horrified that there'd be an Indian twist on a taco. And then we, uh, we tried to replicate it. It wasn't bad, it was pretty good. So anyhow, enough of that. Let's get into uh, the 10 stocks that you want us to have a look at, but also one which um, is our stock of the day and uh, a stock that's in the news. And I thought IntelliHR was worth having a look at, reporting a record fourth quarter this morning with new contractor business exceeding a million dollars for the first time ever, marking a 236% pop on the year. Uh, big in percentage, but off a low base, of course. Comes as it reports an operating cash loss of $1.6 million on revenue up 165%. Look ahead, expansion is the name of the game as it targets the US, UK and Canada for growth in the financial year 2022. Uh, Gaurav, IntelliHR is sort of a, a human resources platform for companies to use, isn't it? Um, what, what did you think of the trading update and the, and the stock? David, I don't know this company very well, but from the numbers, it did appear pretty decent, actually. Um, it's a small business, only $60 million, and it was in the news a little while ago because Bevan Slattery, the, the modern-day tech prophet, he took a position and the, and the share price just took off. And since then, it's, it's subsided a fair bit to the point where it's probably a bit more interesting now. Um, it's, it's, as you can see, it's halved over the last few months. Um, the, the, my, I have a couple of issues with it, really. Um, and the main reason we're not looking at it internally is because 
I'm not sure this is the right climate to look for look at uh, small, highly speculative software businesses. And this is a super competitive space as well. Um, there are lots of uh, established and disruptive competitors trying to do exactly the same thing. And um, HR software isn't revenue generating for businesses, for most businesses anyway. And it tends to be a cost center. So it, price really matters more than functionality in this space as yeah. a general rule. And, and so you, you tend to see a lot of cutthroat competition and the best product is not the one that typically gets installed. Um, and, and because of that, I think, I think the market is just a lot more competitive than it would be for something like, say, um, for zero, you know, which is yeah. just absolutely instrumental in the way a lot of businesses operate or something like a Hanson, um, where actually is responsible for collecting in the revenue, for bringing the revenue in. Yeah. Um, as I said, this is a cost center. So look, it, it doesn't hold a great deal of a, appeal to me at this stage, but there's certainly nothing wrong with the result. Um, it looks like a, a, a quite a, a decent business, um, well-led, um, got some interesting shareholder backing, and the result was uh, was quite impressive as well. So look, under different yeah. circumstances, we might look at it, but there's so many ideas around. We really have to decide where to allocate time and, and what's the best bang for your buck, and I'm not sure this is it. Yep, Nathan? Yeah, look, I think a lot of that, to what Gaurav said, makes complete sense. It is a small cap. It's a micro cap. Um, you're coming in at a time when you've had, what, three, four years of great macro for tech stocks. Um, and this is a sector, is it, you know, there's been a few players that our market's been getting excited about um, in the smaller mid uh, micro caps. It's been uh, people infrastructure, PPE, um, ELO, uh, Elmo software. These have been things that the, the smaller end that's been market darlings. ELO, it's pretty similar in context. Again, or none of these are similar, but they're in the same place. But that's done pretty much the same thing in charts. Everyone got excited and it's come off. There's a lot of acquisitions in play. Again, I looked at the numbers. They look like they're burning cash and they're probably due for a cap raising. Um, so the market's probably a bit more circumspect, uh, waiting for that to play out. But look, you know, perhaps right, the numbers are good. They're executing well. Um, the question would be, again, my background in running a tech firm, what you find is um, when it's a cost-based play, people rarely change. It's just not worth it for them. The, rate, you know, the, the amount of work you have to do to change systems is always tough, and HR is not the most exciting thing, and nobody really in HR wants to do anything to change any other system. So mm. these things take a lot longer than what you think. So things that are much more front-end facing and revenue generating tends to be the first thing that gets changed. So I think when you go into a, a tougher economic environment, it's going to get a bit harder. So I'm not chasing in this sector, um, but look, they seem to be doing quite well. So in that context, I think the growth story still plays out. If you like the growth story and you're there for the tech play, I think this one looks pretty good. Okay. And as I said, after Baron Slattery's uh, uh, fairy dust is wearing off, um, you finally get another shot at it at a pretty decent price. Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get into the stocks that you want us to have a look at. Charlotte, mate, and wants a view on Evolution Mining, the... Uh, the gold mining company here in Australia owns, what, five gold and silver mines in Queensland and Western Australia. What do you think of Evolution? Yeah, look, I, look I've been a fan of the gold sector um, and uh, especially the Aussie gold miners. Um, I mean, look, we've had a bit of a pullback in the gold price, but look at the Aussie dollar. It's now below 74 cents and falling. So on Aussie dollar terms, most of these Aussie gold miners are doing um, better. Um, the, the thing that we find is when the market is weak, um, when you basically miss on uh, guidance, production guidance, 
they tend to get hammered the most. I mean, we've just been hammered already. Um, St. Barbara went through that. Evolution missed um, production guidance slightly, and it's been smashed for it. Um, look, when you're looking at it for the big boys, for the index plays, um, you know, you've got Newcrest, then you've got Northern Star after the merger with Saracen. Uh, you know, Evolution comes up there in one of the bigger plays. So in that context, I think it's been hit too hard over the last couple of days for that miss. Um, so it does offer you an opportunity. I tend to not want to jump into anything that's just done a downgrade. So we've been um, predominantly in Northern Star, Silver Lake. Uh, we've been in Regis. That's taken a bit of a hit, but we've run through it. I don't mind. Actually, don't mind evolution. Um, if, you, if you're looking at the numbers, if you're looking at their guidance going forward, and if you look at where the macro is for the gold and as well as the Aussie dollar, uh, I think the margins hold up. So I don't mind it. Um, but look, they've just done a downgrade, so expect it to be weak. Okay. Um, Gorab? Koshi, there's, a, I mean, we've talked about this many times, the, the fact that the Aussie gold sector is the best it's been in, in living memory, um, probably the best in the world at the moment. And they've, they've morphed from being companies that dug holes in the desert to businesses that generate superb cash flow, um, pay attention to capital allocation and are run like real companies. Um, and that's that's a change and that's unique and it's in no small part driven by evolution mining along with a couple of others including Northern Star which I know Nathan likes um, and to understand evolution more than just as a as a as a minor or as a series of numbers you've really got to understand Jake Klein who's the individual the CEO behind it um, we first came across Jake Klein um, because uh, intelligent investor and uh, and the company he was working for at the time shared an office in Bondi I used to see him in the elevator, and uh, one of my bosses at the time said to me, you know, that bloke sold a, a gold mine in China for $2 billion. You should go talk to him. And at the time, Jake was running a peddly, no mine, no cash operation in Queensland, <laughs> out of Queensland. And, and I thought, I don't need to speak to this guy. He's not, this is not going anywhere. And here we are. Evolution's a multi-billion dollar business, and it has been built in no small part because of the shrewdness um and hustle of of the ceo and that's what you want to look for in every business i think in gold mining sometimes those qualities can become secondary against what the current production and costs and all those things and 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 really all those things can change what evolution is really good at is is buying and selling assets um and milking them for cash this is a cash machine evolution actually generates the the largest cash flow margins in the gold industry globally. And it does that not because it has the best assets. These are far from the collection of the greatest gold mining assets in the world. It does that because it knows when to enter, when in the life stage of a mine to go into ownership and when to sell the mine. And they've done that sort of four or five times over the short history of the company, and it's served them very well. Um, again, um, Jay Klein was a, was a former investment banker and he threw it all in to, to start a gold business in China and sold it for multi-billion dollars. And, and I think knowing that background sort of points to where evolution might head to um, as a future. They've, they've recently bought a very large and troubled operation um, in North America and they're going to be spending a lot of money there. And I think the market's a bit concerned about some of the CapEx profile going forward. But with the with the track record of this business, I'd actually back management to spend capital intelligently and turn that asset around. Um, this is a buy for me, Koshi, and, and I think this is probably the pick of the gold miners at the moment. And I think the price at the moment is quite attractive too. So, so okay. buy. Maybe. All right. 
big rap there on uh, Charlotte on uh, evolution mining. Um, Gaurab Lockie wants a view on Avita Medical there in the regenerative um, medicine area for burns, trauma inju- injuries, chronic wounds, dermatological um, sort of th- side of things. Uh, they did put out an update recently saying their resell product um, has been sort of delayed by COVID and lockdowns in expanding into the United States. Yeah, this is a um, it's a fascinating business and a, a company that you really want to do well. Um, it was founded by Fiona Wood, as you say, a, a renowned um, surgeon. Um, the technology itself looks amazing. It's a um, spray on skin. Um, one of our guys has spoken to doctors about it. It, get, it gets rave reviews inside hospitals. Um, and um, that's about the extent of my expertise on it, unfortunately. It, it, for a company like this, it's really difficult um, to get into the minds of the purchasers, to understand how revenue is generated, to understand how sticky it is, and to understand the competition. And unfortunately, I think to get an edge in investing, you do need to have a good handle on all those things. And I just don't have that. So my opinion on this is, is a pretty weak one. It looks like an interesting business. The technology looks good. It appears to be some good people involved with it. And um, it's growing as well. The revenue line looks like it's doing quite well. So, look, if you have some special insight into this company or into this industry, um, there's no bombs here that I can see. Um, but for us, we really need a um, a really tight and well-researched investment case. And, and I just don't have the skills to right. evaluate a business like this. So yep. I'll call it a hold, I suppose. It looks okay. But if yep. you know more, or if you're um, interested, I think um, this is probably one for further research for you. Sure. Uh, Nathan? Oh, look, it's the stem cell, one of the one of the better stem cells plays in our market. Um, it's an interesting sector. Uh, I've been following it for a while. Um, it's a sector that you can see where the blue sky is coming from and grows, right? It's, it's a tough one to work out how it, you know, how that stickiness comes through, how the transition from um, a test model to the market buying it and becoming the standard product. Um, that's always the tough one, and it's it's always been the huge issue. And I've learned this time and time again, you know, nothing happens for a very long time, and then everything happens very quickly. So it's one of those ones where you want to have a bit of a, you know, it's a high-risk growth story. Um, you know, there's no doubts there. But it's got such um, upside that you want to be having a piece of that. So you wouldn't put all of it in. I would be looking at this as a one of those long-term plays where you put a portion of your uh, one-stock holding, and look at it over time. You want to have a basket of biotechs uh, with, with the play and you want to have a stem cell play. Everyone knows about Mesoblast. Um, Avita is one of those that's there, I think has a pretty decent play out there. I'll put a bit in it and see how it goes. My lesson from uh, my past is looking at Nanasonic. You looked at that and said, oh, look, they're selling to hospitals. This is going to take years to happen. And I got like <laughs> 20, 30% of genius and I got out. And then about two months later, the stock went three times. So yep. that's the lesson in these things. When it happens, it all happens very quickly. So you want, if you like a stock, if you like the management, you like what they're doing, where they're headed to, this is a long-term high-risk growth story, buy a bit and leave it and keep monitoring it. And when things start to hit the numbers, and you start moving in more. Yep. Yeah, and I like the idea of having sort of a little collection of them uh, because it's like going into startups. You know, my... Two, two out of five, one out of five might do really, really well, but you you need that sort of portfolio 
um, strategy to go into to try and reduce the risk. All right, um, Nathan, Sophie wants a view on Emico Holdings. Basically, it's a, it's a rental business, isn't it? Uh, but for big Tonka trucks and toys, earth moving equipment. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just struggle with the whole concept of mining services at the moment. Uh, if you think about where they are, you would have thought they should be doing really, really well. I mean, these guys have recovered, but they're nowhere near what the pre-pandemic. Um, everything is getting delayed. If you look at what's happening in the CapEx numbers for the big miners, they're not doing that great. So for me, you know, Seven Group's been the dominant player there, but they're not pure mining services. They've got a lot of other pieces to it. Uh, so Seven Group is dragging the index higher. Most of the other mining services haven't done that well. And I, I just think it's too hard at this point. CapEx numbers are not great. Miners are not doing too much out there. Uh, pandemic issues pop up here and there, and then you got you know limitations on what they can do. So for me, it's just too hard. Um, I'm just staying away from mining services. It looks cheap, and it is cheap, but it comes down to the risk return. And when you're looking at 10 to 15 stocks, mining services for me just doesn't stack up at this point in the cycle. It's it's one of those classic value cycles, and everyone's called a, a commodity super cycle at the moment. Uh, for me, I thought commodities were due for a pullback, so we've got out of them. So we're waiting to see how that plays out. And for me, mining services just not going to do well into the reporting season. Uh, the good ones everyone knows about. The bad ones, they'll probably, you know, with the inflation, with the cost rising, labor cost and all of that, that's going to come and hit them. So I'm staying out of mining services. Yeah. Well, Gaurav, what do you think of MECO? I'm not sure there are any good ones, Nathan. I mean, this is this is the <laughs> toughest sector in on the market. Um, you know, competitive, cyclical, capital intensive, um, often with uh, remote locations, um, big customers, like every every complexity, every difficulty is tied up and presented to you here in one sector. And I don't know why shareholders or investors chase it as hard as they do. There's only one time when I'd be interested in buying a business in this sector, and, and that's under conditions of severe distress. Um, during the last downturn, uh, around 2015, 2016, we actually put together a portfolio of five of these businesses and Emico was in fact among them. Um, and uh, we had a 5%, we recommended a 5% position across those five companies, so 1% in each. Uh, gosh, it was, it was the most stressful uh, research piece I've ever been involved with. We ended up wow. doing quite well over a period of time. But it was so much work. It was so much stress. It was so much sleeplessness. And, and the decisions you had to make all the time about holding or selling, I mean, you're just putting yourself into a position to make poor quality decisions. And at the end of it all, when we, we made, I think we probably made double our money over a period of two or three years, which is an okay outcome, but not that good considering the risk we took on. And at the end of it, I remember asking a colleague of mine, um, you know, what, what did you do the last few years? And he inv invested in Seek, I think, and he he had smashed the returns I'd made and never never lost a, a moment of sleep. And I think that's that's the better way to invest. This is hard and the returns are uncertain and meager. Like, I'm, I'm too old for this. I think there are probably some investors who enjoy doing this, um, but this is going to have to be, I, I would buy this, I would look at it at less than 30% of um, net tangible asset value and it's currently... Uh, over over one um, one times NTA, so if it if it got to like a third of the price, I'd probably take another look at it. But 
I hope it doesn't because I honestly, it's it's too much work for, for not much return. <laughs> mate, I, mate, that I think Gorad needs therapy. By the sound, <laughs> uh, must be lockdown. He's he's, he's barricaded himself and value investing is killing him. But look. It was the problem the worst is double I've, we've ever had. Like I, I wish I could take it back, <laughs> get those years back. <laughs> but the reality is, the valuation is you know it's cheap, but it's always been cheap for a number of years. Doesn't mean it's going to change anytime soon. So people are going to get interested because they're looking at everything else, shooting the lights out, and they're sitting at sky high share prices compared to pre-pandemic, where these guys haven't moved, and you're looking at the miners saying, "Oh, the miners are killing it." So this should flow through. The reason miners are killing it is because they're not doing anything. They're basically yeah. sitting there going, oh, there's a supply side issue. Okay, I'll just keep that going because I'll make more money without doing so much. So yeah. they're not moving through too much at this point. So I think you just got to wait. Uh, there's a time for everything and it's not the time for mining services yet. Yep, yep. When they get the, down the onto the bones of their backside. All right, Harry wants a view. Um, Gaurav, is this an an easier decision. Spark New Zealand, the uh, uh, the New Zealand-based telco that's across fixed mobile home lines business. It's, it's a bit like a, uh, a Telstra in New Zealand, is it? Yeah, Telstra is the, the correct comparison. In fact, um, Spark used to be combined with Chorus and it was, I think it was called Telecom New Zealand, in fact. The, the New Zealanders are so much smarter than us, um, David. They, when, they, when they were building their NBN, they actually took the equivalent of Telstra and split it up. Um, so the expertise and the economics and uh, the know-how of the legacy telco provider could be used to build their um, broadband network, which is exactly what we should have done. Telstra should never have been floated and existed as an infrastructure business and a service business. It should have always been split up. Um, but that's beside the point. Uh, Spark was created as the uh, as sort of the the mobile and broadband part of the old um, monopoly, and the uh, and the infrastructure part was let go and split up into Chorus. This is actually um, a, a very decent business. It generates good cash flow, um, very steady, uh, pays decent dividends, and it appears to be an undemanding valuation. But I would argue it's probably fairly priced. Um, they're actually up against some pretty heavy competition in New Zealand. The New Zealand telco market is one of the most unattractive in the world because the majority of it is actually prepaid and the ARPUs are sort of 25%, sorry, the average revenue per users, uh, which is a, a key metric for measuring the profitability of telco providers. Um, they're often about 25% less than what we get here in Australia. So the economics are never all that attractive. Um, and so it should trade at fairly modest multiples. The, um, the retail business has actually been contracting over recent years, and they've got this quite interesting uh, services business, uh, this managed cloud business that they've been trying to grow. Telstra, take note, that's actually an interesting strategy for them to adopt if they're interested. Um, but that's a small part of their business, and again, pretty highly contested. So I would call this a hold. Um, in interesting company, but not a wonderful business, and I think it's fairly priced. I would encourage um, investors to take a look at Infratel, which owns the uh, competitor or 50% of the competitor Vodafone New Zealand. And that thing is going undergoing a bit of a turnaround at the moment. And I think um, that's uh, going to release much better results over the next few years. So Infratel is like a uh, infrastructure private equity group. Is that yes, which, that's right. 
and that this is part of its portfolio. And uh, Vodafone New Zealand is part of that portfolio, along with a whole right. other interesting array of assets. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Nathan, what do you think of uh, of Spark? Yeah, it's getting boring. I'm agreeing with Gaurav too much. Um, yeah. Spark is uh, it, it, it is a worry. Um, you know, after nearly a decade, we should stop agreeing at all. Uh, but uh, look, it is a template for Telstra. Um, it was no doubts. Uh, and New Zealand, uh, you know, apart from being better than us in rugby, cricket, uh, even uh, netball at sometimes, uh, they're good at building up good tech businesses and almost pretty much any business. Uh, look, Spark's been pretty good and it gives you an idea of what we should be doing with Telstra. Um, and I think Spark's a good business for what it is. Um, Gaurav's right. You know, if you look at it on expensive, but it's well-priced. I wouldn't chase it if you're holding it. I think you're okay. I think it trades quite well, and I think it'll pay you a dividend yield, and you know it should be fine. Um, okay. But it doesn't get me excited. If I'm looking at 10 to 15 stocks, this doesn't pop up in the top 10 or 15. Um, but look, if you're a holder uh, and you've had the run-up, look, you've done well, and you're going to keep getting good yield, and I think it holds up relatively well. And Gaurav's right. Infratel, you know, for me, it's again not cheap. Uh, we kind of got out of the list of private equities like the West Farmers, the Macquaries, the Goodman Groups, um, and you know, Infratel is the one of one of those. So they're really high quality, high quality assets. They just know how to do things better than everyone else. Uh, all these list of private equities. So in that context, if you get a pullback, those are the stocks I'd be buying uh, into the portfolio. But uh, yeah, Spark's good, but I'm not buying it. So it's a hold. Okay. All right. Um, now, Nathan, Roger wants a view on Altium, the, uh, uh, the software uh, design group um, has had a, uh, a nibble from American software uh, giant Autodesk at, uh, what, $38.50 a share. Um, Altium's board said, no, not enough. There was a report this morning, I think Financial Review has uh, got a report that uh, Autodesk has come back with uh, with 40 bucks. Yeah, look, I mean, I've been, I mean, we've talked about this before. Altium, I think, is one of the best tech businesses in our market. Um, and I think it deserves to be trading at a much higher price. But look, you're coming off a market where growth stocks are priced for perfection. Um, and this one is probably the best quality and it should be. But in the shorter term, I think the market is a bit um, worried about everything in the growth stocks and Altium will probably struggle in the short term. Um, look, this won't be the last time a dancing partner comes out of, you know, we were worried about this stock being taken over when it was 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 25 bucks. So, you know, it's always looks because of what it is and what they have built. It is, I mean, it was a good model early. It's an even better model now. So in that context, um, I think it'll get more dancing partners coming and bidding on that. Uh, but look, in the shorter term, I'm not chasing the tech stocks. Uh, even this one, even for the high quality it is, uh, I'm happy to sit out and wait. Um, I think the next couple of months will be interesting to play out for growth stocks, and I want to see how that plays out. Uh, after that, I'd be looking at Altium. Uh, I think it's one of the best. Right. Okay. If you're in it, though, you'd, you'd stick with it? Yeah, yeah. If you're in it, you've gone up and down, but don't worry. This business is going to be one of yep. the better ones. Uh, Goran? It's, it's a bit more contentious inside um, Intelligent Investor, I have to say. So a, a lot of our analysts um, really like Altium. It's been a buy recommendation for a while. And I think at lower prices, um, it's probably the correct decision. 
Um, I'm probably an outlier of the group and I, I don't like it as much as my colleagues do. And the main reason for that is I've just seen a bit of a change in management where they've altered some of their met, uh, some of the yardsticks that they use to measure um, and some of the language coming out of management. It just it's a bit concerning to me at the moment, a bit of a bit of a red flag for me. But I highlight, but I but I um I emphasize that the analysts on it and the intelligent investor team generally are quite um are quite bullish on Altium still. And and the bull case is a compelling one because Altium is trying to change itself into a platform and become the standard used in the industry. If it can do that, and it's doing that by trying to integrate three parts. Um, of the business together and and crush the competition to become the standard. If it can do that, the upside here is between eighty and a hundred dollars a share, and I'd say the odds of them doing that are probably you know more than thirty percent or so. So it's a, a decent shot of getting it done. I would have thought a takeover at forty dollars would have been quite attractive, and I'm a bit disappointed that management didn't engage more. But for the true believers, there's still upside here, and I would hold it at these levels. Okay. All right. A hold from Altium, uh, from Gaurav there on Altium. Let's uh, check on the first five stocks. Stock of the day was IntelliHR. I know you know from both Nathan and Gaurav. Uh, Evolution Mining, uh, Gaurav's a really big rap on the executive team that are, are running it, and a yes from him. Uh, uh prefers Northern Star. Uh, Avita Medical, um, a hold from uh, Gorav. Mathan says, um, good prospects if it's part of a long-term basket of these sorts of uh, med techs go- going forward. Uh, yes, dribble some investment in, but, but don't put the whole investment in right now and just keep following it. Uh, Emico Holdings are no. Spark New Zealand a hold from both of them, but both prefer Infratil um, as an option for you and Altium a hold from both as well. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, uh, thanks to our partner Nabtrade. Uh, if any stocks get two thumbs up from the, uh, from the expert panel at the time it goes, into the portfolio if it comes up again and doesn't get two thumbs up it goes out uh, let's take a look at how we're going for the last seven days we're up two and a quarter percent for the month up 1.67 percent and since the first of july last year 37 and a half percent some of the stocks recently added uh, global data center investment fund um, strike resources Venturex Resources, Galaxy Resources and Flight Centre. Some of the stocks remove Premium, McMahon and Bigger Cheese. So you can check out all of the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up on uh, a bit later on Osbiz, Mailing Wee from Janice Henderson uh, joins the team at 1.15 Eastern as she takes us through the opportunities in the Chinese equities market moving forward. That's at 1.15 right here on Ausbiz. All right, let's get into uh, the second half of the call. First stock up, um, Gaurav Thomas wants a view on Afterpay, the leader in the buy now, pay later space that is uh, under attention even more now because so more 
so many more players are coming into the market. PayPal launched last week and, and even Apple have said they're going to start their own buy now, pay later for their own products. What do you think of Afterpay? Jeez, gosh, if you think I needed therapy before, <laughs> <laughs> we have the so, worst yeah. history of Afterpay. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's, let's, let's just get on that couch and then have a good uh, good yander about it. Um, wh- what can I tell you? I, I've got We've got this wrong at every opportunity. Um, and so you can probably just... Uh, fast forward through what I'm about to say, um, because I'll probably be wrong again. But um, we, we actually originally bought a business called TouchCorp, um, which we did really well out of, sort of made uh, multiples of our money, and that got folded into Afterpay. And when we got Afterpay stock, it was about 2 or $3 at the time. And there's three of us sitting around looking at it, thinking, why would anyone use this? Why would you just use a credit card? <laughs> and of course, we were asking the complete wrong question and um, we were the wrong bunch of people to be looking at a business at that point. That was an error early on. Um, the error was compounded by never going back and, and checking in with the business and and trying to look at it again with fresh eyes. And, and I think that sometimes um, that's one of the biggest, one of the hardest things to do in investing is to go back to a mistake, admit you're wrong, and try and look at it again with fresh eyes. Um, I, I, I really wish I had done that. We have done that since, I'm happy to say. And, um, you know, this is not, this is actually a pretty good business. And, and the key to its quality lies in how fast it can turn over capital. Um, it's got this four-week um, cycle where it uses a limited amount of funds and just recycles that again and, and again. And over the course of a year, that ends up being a really healthy return on capital. Um, the data it generates is extremely useful for um, uh, for weeding out uh, non-compliance um, and underpayments. And I think the most exciting thing about the business is is just where it can go to from here. It's got sort of millions of, of satisfied and, and enthusiastic customers, an army of um, retailers um, who are grateful and happy to use it. And I think there's a, there's a chance you could see a rollout of a whole new bunch of products and management have been extremely astute and, and really, um, really smart about the way they do things. Um, I, I just have difficulty valuing the company and um, it's, it's probably not in my wheelhouse. Um, if you own it, I'd hold it. And um, it's one we're constantly sort of looking at and trying to come to grips with. I think there'll be an opportunity to buy this um, at some point, uh, and the aim is to is to get to know it well enough so when that opportunity comes, we're confident about making a decision mm. about it. But um, but yeah, uh, probably ignore everything I have to say about it. Um, <laughs> and <I'll... laughs> uh, Nathan, what do you think of Afterpay? Look, one of one of the knocks on the buy now pay laters like Afterpay and Zip and Sezzle and all of that is that there's not a moat around them. You know what's to stop competition coming in as you're seeing now with paypal and apple and combank's gonna launch its next month and you know does that first mover advantage still hold it in good stead yeah that that's the the real um question about the equilibrium that the sector is going to get to when you get in there first you need to build out your customer base grow 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 acquire um, the interesting part is nowhere else do buy now pay later get the multiples that they do here um, for the right or wrong reason it's worked out that way 
Um, if they came up probably a couple of years before they did, um, the government were probably would have, and Reserve Bank were probably would have put a fair amount of regulation and smashed them down. But the time they came into the market, you know, timing is everything. Uh, the way they came into the market, everyone wanted to, uh, to, to you know, push people into more credit, more debt, uh, and this kind yeah. of played into it. And, it, you know, there's a concept that they don't charge rates and all that, um, you know, it comes down to your perspective. Um, it's a business that plays on credit, uh, but they've managed to get into a cycle where they've become a substantial part of the retail sales. So that, you know, it makes it harder for the government and the regulators to now unwind it. So it's one of those things where, yes, they probably would have got hit by a regulatory side, uh, but they've actually moved past that to a certain extent uh, and makes it a lot harder now. Um, does that make sense to the multiples? Again, uh, we look at everything relative. Um, you know, I might not like a business, but you know, at the right price, I'll look at anything. Um, and after pay, you know, we, we thought, we looked at it and said, oh, look, as Gaurav said, why would anyone with a credit card uh, use this? Well, there's a lot of people without credit cards, and that's the whole argument. And then once they get used to it, as with anything, they're happy with it, they stick to it, unless something changes. So in that context, I think technology will keep changing. Um, you know, back in the day, um, I remember, you know, people jumping onto Facebook going, this is weird. Uh, and then you get used to it, and the young people now look at Facebook and say, yes, it is weird, and they're not using it. So there will be changes <laughs> over time, and new trends will come through. So is Afterpay the answer? I don't know. Do people trust Apple better? Hell yeah. Um, you know, they trust Apple more than Google probably. Uh, and, you know, in that context, I think there will be challenges coming in. I think industry will change. I don't quite know how the industry sits. The thing that you know is you can look at things and look at relative valuations and look at where things will settle. And Afterpay, um, look, obviously they've done a lot better than what most people thought. And a lot of people have done really well with it. But if you look at relative valuation, I can justify it to around 80 bucks, even with the current optimistic numbers from brokers. Um, but if you look at where it is now, I don't think it can be sustained in a cycle. And we are post the peak growth. I mean, we've got historical high stimulus driving, historical high retail sales, all of that is coming off. So in that context, I think it struggles. So I would say that you're probably going to get it cheaper. Um, so I'm not in it. Uh, we, we're not in any tech stocks at this point. Um, I think there's a downside risk to a lot of tech stocks and growth stocks. So once that plays out, this will be one I would look at because it's now part of the retail cycle and it becomes a cyclical stock. So it's a tech cyclical stock. So I'm looking at it going when the cycle turns negative, mm. they'll come off. And when okay. they come off, I'll be going into it. So right. it's one to wait and watch. Okay. All right. Wait and watch there. Thank you for that, Thomas, for the suggestion. Uh, uh, Malia... Um, Maitam wants uh, a view on one of your favourite companies, uh, the Ugly Duckling that was so ugly that it started to look attractive in your eyes, as you um, dubbed it in the past, Insurance Australia Group, the big um, uh, the big insurance company. Is it is it still Are you still in love with it? Oh yeah, it's still ugly, um, <laughs> and, and I like it for that reason. I mean, I learned that phrase actually from Gaurav. Gaurav used to say back in the day, he used to say. This is so ugly, I had to look at it. Oh, yeah. And it's, 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 insurance stocks became a fan of ours a number of months ago because it looked so ugly and banks were so loved, it just didn't make sense. One of them had to be wrong. And so in that context, you know, reflation cycle, premiums are rising, um, all of those things added up to the cycle for insurance to improve. So I'm quite happy with it. IAG is one of those ones where you sit there and go, look, 
10 years down the track, they'll be around. And where the valuation is in the long term, there'll be much higher valuation than what it is now. So I'm more than comfortable buying this. This is one, sure it's underperformed, sure it hasn't bounced back, but this is one of those businesses you sit there and say, they're diversifying into a number of areas. So I'm more than comfortable saying in five to 10 years time, this will be a much bigger business delivering you much better returns and giving you better yields. This is, these are the times when you wanna buy these big businesses uh, with management that's been around for a long time to say, I'm gonna be buying this for the long term. Okay, Gaurav, agree or not? Look, Nathan is probably less picky than me because I actually don't think this is that ugly. It's not that bad, Nathan. It's not QBE. <laughs> now that's that's an ugly insurance business. Um, look, uh, the total return you can probably expect from here is a regular dividend of perhaps three percent, two and a half to three percent, plus a little bit of growth on top of that. So you're probably looking at five percent. Um, return. I think there's nominal risk here. Um, it's it's pretty well managed. A good suite of assets. There's an opportunity to um, to do a bit more strategically with the business. I do wonder if it is a takeover target at some stage, and an acquirer might be able to split or do something with the business. Um, so look, if you're a low, if if you're a um, conservative investor who wants to generate. Um, gives a couple of percentage a year on your portfolio, but preserve your capital. And I think you can buy this um, and achieve those goals, but you're not going to make, I don't think you'll make, um, you know, 15 or percent or double digit returns um, buying this business at this price. Okay. So for that investor, you can buy it. Um, for, for me, I, I wouldn't be buying this, just hold okay. this one. All right. Um, Gaurav Louis wants a view on Auto Sports Group, the uh, New and used car um, organisation, uh, also in finance and insurance products and cars. Uh, 42 franchise dealerships, couple of used uh, used car dealerships, and they're in prestige repair repair facilities as well. Sort of a, a high end um, that luxury market um, car retailer. Yes, that's correct. And um, uh, this is a fascinating business. I, I really like um, car dealerships because it's, an, it's a great example of a company that exhibits awful numbers. If all you're doing is just, you know, looking at PEs, ROEs and debt, if, if that's all you did, then this is, looks horrific because it has a super high PE. It has a ROE of sort of two or three percent return on equity of two or three percent. And it has a... Um, an awful lot of debt, way more debt than the equity in the business. And and many investors will look at that and think, oh, it's a basket case. And then you have to marry that with the fact that the founding family is, you know, worth tens of millions of dollars. Have you ever seen a, a um, an owner of a, a vehicle lot who doesn't live in a giant house and drive <laughs> fast cars? I mean, something is off here, right? Um, and this is how we first started looking at, at this whole sector. Um, someone anecdotally mentioned that um, you know, some uh, a car dealer dealer on their street, on their parents' street, was was buying all these um, fancy cars and and doing extensions to their house. And we thought, well, how can that be when the money business is making no money? And and the trick is to actually dig through the numbers in a little bit more detail. And you have to use a bit more nuance when looking at these companies. So the return on equity is low because often 
these businesses make acquisitions of car yards and they have to add the um, the goodwill onto the balance sheet. So, yeah. I mean, it currently makes 2 or 3%, but tomorrow morning, if they woke up and decided to write off that goodwill, um, you know, it would probably make 25% return equity. And so does it go from being a lousy business yesterday to a great business tomorrow? No. You know, and, and it shows you the limitation of just looking at, at raw numbers. Um, all the debt is, is actually not held by the business. It's actually on a, on a floor leasing plan. So the, the, the capital required to run the business is extremely low. Counterintuitively, this is actually a capital light business that generates really good returns on tangible capital. Um, and the margins look really thin. So we're looking at sort of net margins of, of 2%. And you might think, well, that's horrific. Why would you want to invest in that? And again, um, those margins don't really explain everything because the business gets rebates um, from the manufacturer yeah. and it collects service margins as well. In fact, in the case of auto sports, most of the money is actually made in what they call the back end. And that's in things like um, uh, repairs, servicing um, yeah. and rebates. Um, and that's where the prestige tag really helps because a prestige buyer is far more likely to stick with the dealer when it comes to servicing, and that's where the company actually makes most of its money. So you can think of every unit sale that a prestige buyer makes as a um, as as a, a one-time sale followed by an annuity stream of service that's revenues, right. and they're actually building out that part of the business. The reason they listed the ASX, in fact, was to build out um, their um, their panel bidding business and their service business. And so this is a, a really savvy owner manager. They own the owners own um, sort of thirty percent of this company, well managed. I think this is it's gone up a long way, mind you, but I still think there's more to come here. The margins um, are not actually where they have been historically, and I think when it reports this time, it's going to be a bonanza, and I think it could last for a bit longer. So this still looks actually quite attractive to me. I I, I call this a buy. Okay, Nathan. Yeah, look, if you haven't worked out that used car prices have gone up, uh, you need to get some googling going. Uh, so, uh, you know, the industry's done well. Everything related to that kind of uh, industry, used cars, have done really well. Um, most of them are, you know, as Gaurav said, Gaurav's a real big fan of this industry, so you've got to listen to what he says. Um, you know, founders have been in most of these stocks and they've done really well, and they've all had pretty good runs. Yeah, I, I just struggle to get excited when everyone knows the thematic and everyone's done well. Um, you and I, you're, you're coming late to the party. You don't want to be the guy who's funding everyone else getting out of the cycle. Um, now, in Australia, given that we've just got the two main states going into uh, extended lockdowns, that's probably going to keep this thematic playing a bit longer. Um, you know, all the central banks are hoping that supply side issues get sorted pretty quickly. I just don't think that happens quickly. Things always take a lot longer than what we think. So in that context, I think the used car prices remain pretty good. I think the thematic for the sector remains pretty good. I think these guys are good and they'll keep doing well. So I know the market knows that. So I don't think you're going to get it cheaper. I think they do okay, um, and they'll keep executing and they'll keep grinding out returns. But is this going to be the big outperformer over the next 12 months? For that, you need some dynamics to change. And for these guys, I think the dynamics is obvious and everyone knows, and they've all done well. So I don't think you're going to get the massive outperformance, but I think they'll do well. Okay. So would you be buying it or not? No, I wouldn't no. be buying it. It's a hold. Okay. He'd rather uh, have uh, IAG, David. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. All right. Uh, Vivek, um, Maitha wants a view on Beach Energy, the oil and gas exploration company. Yeah, look, 
producer as well, obviously. Oh, we might. Energy sector in the Yep, keep going, Nathan. We've got you back. Yeah, sorry. Um, look, Beach and Santos used to be. Oh, no. uh, but Beach went through a downgrade. And that kind of put it out of the list. But we didn't get excited about the energy sector. Uh, for some reason, the inflation trade didn't really work well for them, um, given what was happening. And then you got uh, with OPEC, you just don't know what they're going to do any time of the day. Um, LNG prices also got affected by, I mean, most of our stocks are LNG players. And LNG prices got affected by lockdown restrictions in Southeast Asia as well. So things were a bit choppy. So we didn't jump into oil stocks as much as we did with metal stocks for the reflation trade. So we stayed out of it. Beach had a decent downgrade, as you can see, it got smacked. Yep. And you know, one of those numbers plays where once you have a downgrade, you want to wait till it comes up with an upgrade before you jump in. So we're staying out of Beach. Santos has been one of the steady players. Recently, people have jumped into Woodside and oil surge as a play. But for me, just, the numbers just don't stack up on the energy side. I think with where we are in the growth cycle, I think the energy uh, demand will start to peter out. Seasonality also is a bit weaker in the next uh, three to four months. So in that context, I don't think energy okay. stocks do too well. So, yeah. Oh. Okay. Specific. All right, Nathan, uh, Gaurav rather. Look, um, I actually disagree here. Though I'm glad to be back on back on form um, again with Nathan. Um, I, I think energy is one of the most interesting parts of the market at the moment. Um, I, I've said before that coal was probably the most mispriced part of yep. the market, and that's probably less true now than it was uh, a month or two ago. But to me, it's looking as though traditional energy, sort of oil, gas, um, is now becoming, maybe, maybe it is the most mispriced part of the market now. And this is an interesting area to look at. I, I would not go with beach, though. Um, you know, I'm a bit of an outlier here, David. Most of the most analysts really like Beach, and I think the management's been okay. The asset quality is just poor, um, and the strategy is sort of everywhere. They have assets all over the place, small minority stakes in lots of different things. There seems to be no concentration or forward strategy about what they want the business to be. Um, it's capital intensive, more so than, than most, um, and the margins here are really poor. So, look, I don't like the asset base. I don't like the strategy. There are better places to be. But it is the right sector. Um, sell beach, and I'd be looking at somewhere else in, in the energy space. Okay. All right. And just finally, we'll need to get through this fa fairly quickly. Uh, uh, Gaurav, Bruce wants a view on uh, Mesoblast, the uh, regenerative medicine group. They're in anti-inflammatories. They had a bit of uh, a COVID twist in its uh, story last year. Um, but its share price has been all over the place. What do you think, uh, Gaurav, of Mesoblast? Um, well, as an alternative to Mesoblast, may I suggest anything else? This is <laughs> the, the worst billion-dollar business on the market. Um, I, I, I don't have enough words to describe how terrible right. this business is. Um, so avoid at all costs. Um, if, if these guys... They've been in business for 14 years, never released a product, raised capital every single year they've been listed, um, never paid a dividend, and um, never even had a consistent story. You know, every year there's a different product, a different yep. different problem, a different story. 
this is this is uh, an awful company. No one should put money in it. Sell okay. and avoid and never look back. Nathan? He's an angry man. Uh, oh, look, <laughs> Mesoblast, it's stem cells, right? So it's stem cells packaged for everything. They'll put a bingo word on it every six months and something else will pop up. They've got solutions for just about everything, but grabs right. It's been at play for a long time, and I think I've followed it for more than a decade. So that shows you uh, where this is headed. Uh, the thing about this is, it, it, they've been at it for so long and everyone knows that thematic in stem cells should be positive. So everyone's looking for one of the solutions to work and everyone gets excited when it works. So again, a bit like Avita before, you want to look at a bunch of these guys and Misa yep. will ask for me. Yep. All right. And We've got the gremlins come back, so we might leave it there. We don't know no where you're both going and we're running out of time anyhow. Um, so, uh, all right. Nathan, thank you for that. Sabha Sandara from Deep Data Analytics and also Gaurav Sayabi from, uh, from Intelligent Investor. Thank you, gents. We'll catch you next week. See you then. Thanks, guys. Um, got a dash just quickly. Uh, last five stocks after pay. Hold from Gaurav. Nathan saying no, but if there's a big pullback in after pay, start looking at it. IAG, a yes from Nathan. Gaurav wouldn't get in it in it himself but if you're a conservative investor um, it, it will probably be in your wheelhouse. Uh, Auto Sports a yes from Gorab, a hold from Nathan, Beach Energy and Miso Blast a no from both. That's uh, all we have time for if uh, you've got any stocks that you want us to run an eye over put them in an email to us the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the uh, at Osbiz TV handle check all the stocks in the calls portfolio head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and for a full wrap up of the day in business markets finance you need to subscribe to the osbiz newsletter you get scuddy's view a link to the close of business podcast a link to the most popular videos and interviews on the platform subscribe osbiz.co forward slash the cob and uh, we've got a lot coming up after the, uh, after the break, including a look at what you should be buying in Chinese equities. Stick around.